This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, March 12, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. The Cato Institute has long advocated an end to the Jones Act, a nearly century-old shipping law that raises prices, reduces competition, and strangely seems to deliver few measurable benefits to the industries that it's supposed to help. There is now legislation on Capitol Hill that would end the Jones Act. Colin Graybow, a policy analyst at the Cato Institute, comments. The Jones Act has been around for nearly 100 years or now more than 100 years? Nearly 100 years. It'll celebrate its 99th uh, birthday this June. Uh, Senator Mike Lee of Utah has introduced legislation that would be a straight-up repeal. Has the law ever been altered in its 100-year history? There have been some slight alterations to the law during its history. Uh, for example, the U.S. Virgin Islands was given uh, an exemption, I believe, back in the like, late, late 1930s, maybe 1940s, something like that. Um, Guam, there was a reform uh, passed, an alteration um, enacted so that Guam is only sub, is, is freed nominally, at least of the U.S. domestic build requirement, but in practice, it's still subject to it because any ships heading out to Guam, they always stop in Hawaii first, and Hawaii is subject to the domestic build requirement. So for all intents and purposes, Guam is still on a de facto basis subject to the domestic build requirement. Um, you know, American Samoa and a handful of other small islands are, are exempt from the Jones Act, but it's basically stood uh, untouched for most of its 99-year existence. So we need to, to clarify and remind uh, our listeners what the Jones Act actually functionally does. Yes. The Jones Act is a law which mandates that any ships or vessels transporting goods between two points within the United States have to meet four conditions. Those conditions are that the ship has to be U.S. flagged and registered. It has to be crewed by at least uh, 75% American crew. It has to be at least 75% U.S. owned and has to be built in the United States. And how does that affect, in general, the prices of goods, the uh, ability of producers in the United States, producers of anything that might be shipped by ship among states, what is what is the practical effect that we know with confidence? Well, what we know with confidence is that this is a protectionist law. Protectionist laws serve to drive up costs. Uh, let's start from the fact that you have to buy an American-built ship. These ships typically cost four to five times more than what you'd find in a foreign shipyard. In fact, according to the Congressional Research Service in a 2017 report, they said that for coastal vessels, which is the type of vessels you typically find in the Jones Act trades, the cost is six to eight times greater. So we have increased cost of inputs, we have reduced competition, um, we have less investment because of that U.S. ownership requirement. So all these add up to higher prices uh, for uh, transportation. And this is, uh, as far as we know, the, the bill that uh, Senator Lee has uh, brought up is a st- pretty much a, just a straight repeal bill. What changes if that is uh, passed into law? The, the changes w- would be massive if it was passed into law. Um, you know, f- for starters, Americans could build or could buy rather foreign, foreign built ships. Um, but it would also enable, for example, um, a foreign ship that's docking in Miami could pick up goods and then transport them to Puerto Rico on its way, say, to Brazil along the way. Currently, they, they cannot do that. Um, citizens and Americans in Hawaii would see the cost of goods drop because they would get access to much cheaper shipping. 
Um, so there'd be you know lower shipping costs, uh, greater efficiencies realized, um, which I think would reverberate throughout the American economy. Uh, and just to temper any excitement any uh, listeners might have about uh, this swiftly being passed into law, this is the kind of thing that well doesn't tend to go anywhere, right? No. There are all sorts of very concerted interests here that uh, remain in place. Exactly. Uh, this bill is basically a carbon copy of a bill that was previously introduced by Senator John McCain who was the leading uh, champion of Jones Act repeal and reform uh, during his tenure in the Senate. That bill, I believe, never even got to a committee vote. I suspect a similar fate awaits this one because, as you mentioned, the, the pro-Jones Act uh, forces are extremely uh, strong and well represented in Congress. Um, as an example of this, there were two hearings held this week, both in the House and Senate, uh, the House Transportation Committee as well as the Senate Commerce and Transportation Committee. Uh, both of them saw witnesses. Every single witness uniformly was in favor of the Jones Act. Uh, every question posed to them had a pro-Jones Act bent to it. Uh, there was nothing in the way of criticism voiced in the combined, you know, I think three plus hours of testimony. And this just speaks to the incredible influence that the Jones Act lobby has. The president, despite his best efforts, and we can debate that uh, <laughs> whether or not those efforts were either genuine or uh, well-meaning, I suppose. Uh, but of course, the trade deficit has gone up. We would argue about whether or not that is a meaningful statistic. But to the extent people care about the, the degree to which we're uh, consuming American products versus foreign products, what does the what is the impact of the Jones Act? Well, I think this is an underappreciated aspect of the Jones Act. We, you know, we have, as you said, a president which is a very strong proponent of buying American products. And my own uh, personal sense, and I think. Uh, that of many here at the Cato Institute is that the government should not put its thumb on the scale and encourage Americans to buy either foreign uh, or American. But it's interesting because the Jones Act, which is all about buying American, actually encourages Americans to buy foreign products. So why is that? It's because in oftentimes, once you factor in the high cost of Jones Act transport, it becomes cheaper to buy a foreign product. We've seen this, for example, in Puerto Rico. The GAO did a study in 2013 where they interviewed uh, members of the agricultural community there, and they said that to buy feed, for example, or fertilizer, they often buy it from Canada instead of the United States, despite similar prices in both places, and despite the fact that Canada is 500 miles further away, because once you factor in the cost of transport, the American product is less attractive. It's actually more expensive. It's not just agricultural products. Uh, that same report noted that the Puerto Rico would often import jet fuel from Venezuela instead of the Gulf Coast. Uh, noted the source and they have corn and potatoes from foreign products instead of the United States. Um, same thing. And then we have the case of natural gas. Puerto Rico produces about one third of its uh, electricity comes from natural gas, but all virtually all of that electricity comes from Trinidad and Tobago instead of the Gulf Coast. Now. Granted, um, Trinidad and Tobago is a little bit closer, but the gas in the Gulf Coast is far cheaper. In fact, neighboring Dominican Republic sources a lot of its natural gas from the Gulf Coast, despite the greater distance. But Americans cannot, or the Americans live in Puerto Rico cannot take advantage of those cheap prices because there's no Jones Act vessels that can carry them. So we have this really interesting situation where 
Americans living in Puerto Rico can't buy natural gas from the rest of the United States, not despite being part of the United States, but because they're part of the United States. And that is because of the Jones Act. Colin Graybow is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute's Herbert A. Stiefel Center for Trade Policy Studies. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.